Welcome to episode 79 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, so welcome along to episode 79 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How are you going, mate? I'm very good. Pretty exciting times in the Iron Man Talk studios, hasn't it been? Bevan's done his peas. Last week on the show, I came out and I said, I'm going to do my peas and I'm going to get Simon Lesson on the show. And what happened, John? We've just been on the phone for one hour with Simon Lesson. We just had a really great interview with Simon. He, uh, really great interview, eh? Very good. He's, uh, he's a good, honest man and he, uh, gave us some really good opinions and some stories and, uh, so that's going to be in today's show. But before we go into that, we have got to, we're going to do a quick news segment. And our sponsors, though, Bevan. Oh, that's right. We forgot, didn't we? <sighs> Who are our sponsors, mate? Can't forget about them. Trybuys.com. For all your try needs. Coffeesofwai.com. Get that coffee down, yeah? Athlinks.com. If you need to meet a chick, go there. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, I need to go there. <laughs> yeah, reg- regularly. <laughs> regularly. So, um, so we've got news. We'll probably do a quick hot topic, quick age grouper of the week, and then uh, we're going to pretty much get straight into the Simon interview. So, anyway, news for this week. Uh, we're going to start with the news. John got a bit angry earlier this week. John got... Come on, mate. Shit. Tell me your anger. North American Sports have announced their entry... The entry process for North America sports events. Over the past few years, every um, uh, entry spots in North America, full Ironman races have become highly sought after. Yep, we know that. Um, so now what they're going to do is athletes entered in the event for the current year will be allowed to register for the next year's event the day before the current event. Yep. Entries will be accepted on, the, on site at the race site from 9 to 11 a.m., Blah, 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 blah. So basically what they're doing is they're saying if you're entered in this year's race, you can enter for next year's race before race day. Yeah. And then after that, that's when they open up the other entries. And you've got to be at the race venue to do that. Yep. Um, and so essentially it's probably going to fill up there and then any remaining spots are going to go online. Oh, really? I just think, bugger that. Yeah, that's... that's... <laughs> that means you've got... I mean, firstly, what sort of a message is that sending to people who want to get into the sport going, oh, we've got our own special club, you can't get in. Um, and, and also... Okay, so I've turned up to I'm in New Zealand a year out. I don't know if I want to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, like, you know who plans that far ahead for everyone? What about for us? If, 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 so we're going to use a New Zealand example. If we want to, enter, if it was like American events and it was going to fill up, that means we've got to spend about six, seven hundred bucks to yep. fly up there. Yeah. Probably have a couple of hundred bucks on accommodation. Yeah. You're spending a grand just to flip and enter the race. Yeah. I just think it's absolutely cock up, complete balls up. So I wonder what their motivation behind it is. I don't know. I guess they're, they're trying to reward the the people that are entering the events and saying thank you for supporting us, which you can completely understand. But it's just closing the door off. I think one of the there. major problems with it as well is the whole you have to be there to enter. Yeah. So I think you know, like it needs to be an online thing, doesn't it? I, I think so. I mean, you can have a combination of the two. You know, yeah. you can be on the site plus having an online. Oh, we're entry. in an angry place right now, aren't we? So, somebody <laughs> sent it through to us, and, and I said to I said Belinda. Just excuse me if I'm a bit angry for the next half I need hour. a cuddle right now. <laughs> I need a cuddle. I wasn't happy. It's just, we've, we've had a hot topic on this in the past, so people can refer back through our blog on, yeah. on other people. We, we asked for people's opinions on, on how this could be fixed, and obviously they haven't been listening to us. Well, obviously not. <laughs> we even need to send through those notes. Yeah, it's, it's really but disappointing, isn't it? I think it's... Because it just makes it so hard thing. for the, the Iron Virgin to enter a race. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like... Closing things Especially off. in North America, because those races sell out in day, and like straight away anyway, don't they? Mm. 
Okay, so we're, so we're, let's, let's try to get some cheering up. What happened next? Talk about Ironman Kentucky race start. Well, this is interesting. I was riding up, uh, I was on my little bike ride last weekend. and um, As you do. Biking up with Daniel McDonald, who's the brother of Chris, who won the race. Yep. And he was telling me how they started at Kentucky. He started individually. They had the pros start together, and then they were starting like on a pier or something like that. Yeah. And basically, they were starting people every, I can't remember the, the time differential, it was like every five or ten seconds or something, saying, right, go. Oh, really? Go. So it go. wasn't a mass start? It wasn't a mass start. Oh. But, and you could basically, it was first in, first serve. So you had all these people that are swimming in an hour 45 for the swim down there, and Daniel gets down there, and he's like about a 55-minute swimmer. And so he's got to swim through all these swimmers. Oh, really? He had to wait like 15 minutes before he could start. It just seems a bit of an odd way to start a race. Yeah, I wonder why they did that. Was so, it quite a narrow course or something? Don't know, but maybe uh, if someone gives some feedback on that. Did that uh, maybe mm. give us a little bit of feedback. Uh, lastly, uh, if anyone wants to get a woody over bikes, yeah. tell me this one. I, I don't really get this it, one. Interbike is on, so the big bike trade Oh, fair we got photos from it last States. year, didn't we? So, um, yeah, if you get a bit excited about a bike in your life, if your, if your partner isn't doing it for you and your bike is. Uh, if you go to most most of the tri sites, have got interviews and pictures of all the, the hot, hot guys. Bjorn's changed over to um, Quantana Roo. Oh, and, Simon uh, wouldn't be happy with that, would he? Yeah, got to keep that loyalty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're into bikes, into bikers on. Okay. Check out some so, we're not really going to cover all the race results because honestly, the show will be going for an hour and a half. And as much as we know you love us, I don't think you love us that much. So, we're just going to cover the. The websites are going to be on, because I've actually done the website already for this week, so <laughs> <laughs> the links are on www.ironmantalk.com, so go on there and check out the rest of the results. We're going to quickly cover... The Chesapeake Man. Chesapeake Man. It's Chesapeake Man. Chesapeake Man, yeah. okay. So it was a reasonable size field, actually. And this um, is this the females. Is the, the females. Yep. Oh, we've got some great names here. <laughs> here we go. You can do it. Stacey Kawaki. Kawaki. Was first in 10.43. She like a swam motorbike. a one twelve. She biked a 5.29 and ran a... What she run? Go yeah. scroll across. Oh, she ran like a 3.55. 3.55. So yep. she took the win in 10.43. Second was Samantha Brasher. Brasher. Grey Boss yep. in 10.50. I'll do our Anna Hearn. <laughs> we like Anna Hearn. You are... Athlete of the week, yeah. having a normal name. <laughs> normal name. Ten hours fifty-seven. Yeah, and on the guy side of things, Brady De Hoist yep. was first in nine thirty-two. He swam pretty slow sometimes. There one sixteen. Wow, that's a terribly slow sometimes. Uh, bike four fifty-six, good. And run was three fifteen for a nine thirty-two. Second was John Robertson, like that name too. Uh, what the Robertson? Well, it's easy to say. Oh, okay. I thought and, this was John. It, well, that's, that's good as well. Yeah. And third was Mark Render in nine fifty-five. So it looked like they had about a hundred and twenty-five, hundred and thirty odd guys there. Also had the Aquavello option. Not many people took up the Aquavello option, um, which we'll talk about in a moment. Just the other results that Bevan's going to put up on the site. Alberman um, is going to be up there. Now they had um, 235 entries, which is well up 215% increase from last year, so oh, that's nice. good. They don't have the results up there yet, but they're getting them there. I think. I like the way they put percentages on. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Alessandra, Alessandri, I think, uh, was winning the race. Okay, um, we're moving on, remember? Oh, give, give me a Control break. Control yourself. Give me a break. The oh, Odyssey Off-Road Triathlon, you can go on there. The results are up there. Go dub 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 So Lake the Lake Barkley Come a try. Come on, hurry up. Okay, right, hot topic on. of the week. Last week we were talking about uh, currently many North Triathlon races. Oh no, this is an old one, isn't it? Oh, oh, right. You're pushing me along. You're not even bloody ready. ready. <laughs> it's your fault because you put the link in there. Oh, oh man, you're killing me. Anyway, so what was our hot topic last week, John? Can you remember? 
our hot topic was... Is that a phone or here, mate? No, it's your phone. Turn your phone off. How many times have I told you, Bevan? Turn your phone off. Swim, bike, run. So what we had is, would you be interested in doing a long course aquabike race? Uh, is there a place for these races in a build-up for an Ironman, or should aquabike options not be available? Jeez, I'm struggling, aren't I? Yeah. At iron distance races. Liam says, uh, I don't know about an A race, um, but as a build-up, I think it'd be a good idea. Maybe they could run similarly the aqua, aquathons, uh, or aqua bikes at Ironman events, except also open it to those who aren't competing at the particular Ironman. Uh, uh, Big Shim saying the sport is called triathlon for a purpose. Uh, I haven't seen any sanctioned swim bike races. However, I prefer more swim bike workouts to running, which is nice. true. Jim uh, Jim Flynn, he's a 56-year-old aqua biker, and the reason he does that is because he's had eight knee surgeries and uh, he's a big advocate of it, and it may, means that he keeps him in the sport. Um, so, But I think Ironman races should be reserved for the people that can do all three dis- disciplines. You're not an Ironman unless you've done all three. Good if, point. And Frank's very similar. He's saying that he's building up for Rope 2008, and that he thinks that being able to do an aqua run, aqua swim, aqua bike, bike. Uh, would um, be able to help him actually to achieve that. It's taken a few years to get there, and you know it just keeps fun and something different in the sport. Nice. Greg? Greg? Uh, I really welcome aquabikes. I think uh, it is odd that there are a lot of duathlons, aquathons, swim, but but no swim bike events. What's so special about running that it can't be dropped once in a while? Save our knees, Save which is true. Knees. This is very true. Oh, Daniel put down the hardcore, didn't Daniel's he? Daniel's a bit angry. Oh, he's a bit angry. He's against it, and there's the reason. It's triathlon. That's triathlon for softies. Uh, it stops when it begins uh, when it starts to get interesting, which is a good point, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Uh, given a few good athletes, it would become a draft fest. Totally. Uh, time trialing for non-cyclists with a warm-up. True. Um, completely pointless as a preparation for Ironman. Oh, very high intensity, no running, and valuable testing. Okay. Uh, if, uh, if swimming and biking feels like a race, you're not going too hard. He's saying hard in it. F up. Lay down the old smack down there, didn't he? Man, Daniel's angry, man. Yep, there you go. Uh, T-Rex, for those who can't run with a reason, it's a great idea. Yep. Knee surgery mostly. Um, but for those who are, too fat, who are too fat to run, including me, then it's a soft option. Nice. <laughs> Certainly a good way of filling up numbers on non-WTC events where people might use as a long training session here of an Ironman. Yeah, totally. uh, Frank, uh, just in response to all athletes... They take an Ironman event uh, as, look how tough I am, contest, get over yourself. Ooh, nice. Ooh, I haven't read this one. This one's a big one. You got the big one. Brad. Okay, I'll do the next one. Chance of saying try means three. I think it should be its own deal, like duathlon. Okay, so he's saying, sure, you can have them, but not an Ironman day. Uh, so there you go. Okay, so Brad from Boston says the aquabike category in the triathlon community has been a great addition these past two years. There's increased addition. interest and participation in tri-multi-sport board events by offering a low impact competitive outlet for the wider demographic an iron half distance AB category with established tries is a natural progression one would be greatly benefit the sport and many sponsors of these and it does go on but uh, yeah that's okay I think you were getting this point you know he, he really thinks it's a good option you're just cutting well he's written a book you're cutting Brad well, off maybe we've got time we're on a time restraint oh, people will keep listening lastly we've got Ollie yeah I think it would be great new race uh are good to bring new people into the sport. In France, we have lots of run bike races. It changes the dynamics of the race, finishing with the bike. I'm going to come back to Brad because I'm, I'm not going to push things uh, through. Okay. Brad spent the time to... Okay, to oh, yeah. So to those that believe aquabike and other multi-sport combinations have no place in sanctioned triathlon events, age and injury are inevitable. By supporting all multi-sport categories, you may be securing your own competitive future. 
Okay, so there's quite a bit more you've got to read. No, it's okay. <laughs> you carry, carry on now. <laughs> so what's your view on it? Um, my view is that it's already sort of mentioned a couple of times here. I don't think there's really a place for it in Ironman races, yep. um, especially if it's going to... Um, Exclude, WTC, yeah, going to exclude other people from potentially entering the race. Although you could do, you could do like start at ten o'clock. Yeah, you could do. I th- kind of like they do with the challenge races. I think, given the Ironman races are, are pretty much always full, I think um, I don't think they should be adding more people onto the course. Okay. I do think it's a good idea, and I think that you know we do have to try to get a wider demographic into the sport, and I think this is one of the ways we can do that and uh, and increase the keep keep increasing the participation levels but at the same time we do do still need to look after um, the competitive athletes and that's something that I think that we're not doing so well at the moment we're continually going down the path of participation participate participation yeah. bringing more people in the sport which is fantastic and we but need for that the people trying to make a career but out of it the career yeah. and the guys who are the serious age groupers I don't think they're quite getting en- enough recognition and that's where the whole medal thing we've talked about on several occasions comes into play in terms of doing it for a training event, um, great. But well, only if you do it at Ironman pace. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking to prepare for an Ironman, so I'd much rather it be maybe a team having team options. So I encourage a lot of people to go to Wanaka and do the team option there. Yep. So then you've got a runner. Um, but I think yeah, yeah, if you go and swim and then you hammer the bike, it's not very relevant. To um, preparation, but and if, if anything, there, throw your numbers out because then when you go to race day, you think, "Well, I can ride that fast." Exactly. And then, so, mm. but if you go and swim and bike, uh, and then maybe do a short run off the bike, and you stick to a certain heart rate or effort or whatever on the bike, I think it can be a valuable training day. I'm interested to see if it would appeal. I was meaning to put the cup on the table before, because uh, oh. it makes a noise. Oh, bloody yeah. hell! Um, <laughs> so I was, I'm interested to see if. It would really. I'm interested to see if it would really appeal to the to the general age grouper because the thing is, swimming's the thing that most people struggle with, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so most people, if they're not going to do an Ironman, will probably just do soccer racing. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, so this is only really going to appeal to the Ironman athlete who's maybe injured. Yeah, injured, injured or, old or older. Or is using it as a prep for a race. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if there's that much of a market for it. The, the numbers don't look like they're very big. No. When I looked at the results from their Shaspeaker man, yeah. uh, I didn't, sorry if I didn't pronounce that right. Yeah. They, they look pretty small. So I think it's a worthwhile option. It helps the guys that are starting events. Get yeah, a couple I, I would definitely use one as a training day. Did you yeah. notice I changed the blog? Nice. Do you like it? Very good. I've done a good one. Good. Okay, uh, ITU or seventy point three. That's a good one. John Chuckler says. I mean, it's saying. Which is more prestigious, an ITU Long Distance World Championship medal or a 70.3 Champs medal? And what I'd like you to do when you're posting your replies to this, we already had a comment, yeah. um, is that I'd like you to include your country. Scott Horns. What country are you from? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, because I think we're going to get different answers from different... Continents. Continents, so uh, make sure you put which country you're from. Okay, so that's our news. We did pretty good there, 14 minutes. Yeah. It's our news and our hot topic. Uh, we have no... What's coming up? Uh, there's one one race coming up that sent me in an email, um, so I thought I'd share the love with them. Lombok uh, Try. It's in Singapore, the Lombok Try. If you, there's a link on the website. It's coming up in October. Toughest like course in Asia. It looks like a fairly new event. It's a half iron distance race, so uh, I thought I'd... Sh- just share that with all you Asians. Very, very good. So that is our hot topic and our news for this week. Age Grouper of the Week. Beautiful. This week, all the way from Sterling, Virginia. Virginia. I've been to Virginia. Have you? Yep. yep. Mm. 
I think I have. Or is there West Virginia? Or there's is there all a... sorts of Virginia, I think. Is there? Yeah, there's, I don't know. I think, I think there's West Virginia and Virginia. Or, yeah, I, I think yeah. I went to some Virginia. Yeah. Mm. Might not go into Sterling. So Jim. Jim Harrell from Sterling, Virginia. Good old uh, Jim. And why is Jim the age group of the week, John? Because we're not just giving it to people nowadays, are we? Well, the main we reason, it. he came up with a very good quote. So Jim's doing his, has done his third Ironman for the season. He Whoa, did, that's pretty good. Uh, what did he do? He did Arizona, yep. and he did Placid, yep. and then he did Wisconsin. Nice. Did a PB on Wisconsin, which we know is a slow course. Slow course. So that was pretty key. He also managed to overcome uh, having some cramping issues at previous races uh, and a few little running niggles here and there. So And a big one, shoulder big injury. One, big one, shoulder injury. Wasn't swimming very much before the race. Confidence was a little bit down. So went out there, nailed a PB on a tough day. But the main reason why I gave him age group of the week is because I have been helping him with the, with the program is... He, his quote was, I finally learned that I need to slow down to get faster. Oh, that's interesting. So the key thing was, I just made him slow right down on the bike, and he managed to nail the run. And so I thought that was a good epiphany. Epiphany. To understand word, what Ironman racing so is you, all about. So, and, and, and it worked, obviously. Yeah. So how do you get him to slow down? You just slow down on the bike. Slow, lower the heart rate, and lower the power meter if you're using a power meter, yeah. and just slow down until you can put in a good run. Yeah, we always hear about people saying, Oh, I had a bad run, or I was I was running so well up until thirty kilometres or twenty kilometres, and then it's I been just a story of my year. <laughs> and uh, the key is, uh, if, if you haven't done a good Ironman yet, you're different. You've had good races. Yeah. Um, guys that have yet to have a good Ironman run, highly likely that you're biking too hard, and uh, and so. Um, Jim learned that, that he slowed down and he was able to increase his run speed oh, and get a PB and have a really good run split. PB was important, and but he, I think... And oh. the other reason why he got Age Group of the Week is because he's on Athlinks. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. So if you yeah. want to be in Age Group of the Week, you need a good quote and yep. to be on Athlinks. <laughs> Beautiful. Minimum Jim, it's an exciting time in your life because this week you are our Age, Age Group of the Week. Beautiful. Oh, do we, we don't really have an intro for this next bit. What is the next bit? Let's just put some music on. So this is actually Coach's Corner. Oh, yeah, you can't claim Coach's Corner. I actually, I shouldn't because you, you jacked up the interview. But yeah, it was Coach's Corner. That, uh, that music there was called the Middle Ceremony Short Version 1. Yeah, and there's a reason. And quite aptly called that because this week we have Simon Lessing. Yeah. Um, Tell me, he's a bit of a hero of yours, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, I think he's the most dominant at short course athlete there's ever been. Yeah. Um, when he was racing, whether it was a drafting race, non-drafting race, he just dominated completely it was when he won world champs he just ran away from the field and won by a minute and a half yeah it was just it wasn't even a contest so um it's interesting because uh, just quickly you know, i've got to talk to a few of the legends over the you know, last couple of years doing this and lessing's name always comes up you oh, know yeah. melina and mecca and all these guys talk about yeah. lessing you know he's the man just phenomenal yeah. and uh he gets a bit of a hard time at the moment because he's he's not Perhaps achieving as high as what he's done in the past, and also he gets slagged off for, for, for not winning Hawaii and things like that. But um, great interview; it's an hour long. There's some excellent stuff, excellent opinion, which we love getting. Yeah, he's and really we, honest. We great. always try to just get a slightly diff- few different angles. So yeah. hopefully, we've achieved that here and enjoy it. Here we go. Here's Simon. On today's show, we are very, very happy to have Simon Lessing. Um, I did my work, us. didn't I? Bevan did his piece, got it all prepared nicely this week. Um, if you don't know who Simon Lessing is, then... Uh, Stop listening to the show. Yeah, multiple uh, world champion. 
probably one of the most dominant athletes has ever been over the Olympic distance, stepping up to halves, done incredibly well, and um, we obviously want to quiz him on a few Ironman things today. So welcome to the show, Simon. You had a good day so far? Yeah, not too bad. Pretty pretty hard. Typical, typical, typical day here in Colorado. So, uh, in fact, we've had uh, half of Australia and New Zealand over here this summer. So, uh, <laughs> so it's kind of uh, it's been interesting, really. Kind of a Commonwealth insurgence here. Do you, do you ever get out of the uh, training with uh, Bevan Doherty and Co? You know, not really, because they're kind of doing different. Uh, you know, obviously they're focusing on the short distance racing. So, you know, the training is so different and. Uh, you know, I, I'm here fully around, and uh, I end up training with guys that I sort of have a, you know, have I see pretty much all year round, and we kind of have our little group here. But uh, you know, I've been out a couple of times with Craig Alexander and a few uh, a few of the other guys, so uh, it's been fun anyway, especially the pool space. Cool. So, so we've seen your name sort of popping up here and there so far this year at, at a lot of the seventy point threes. I mean, how's the year been going for you so far? Pretty crummy year so far. I um, <laughs> well, the reality is that I've actually had an Achilles injury that's been nagging me the whole season. So uh, it kind of started in February, and I was training on it and and really keeping on top of it. But it was still just just a little bit irritated. And then I raced the uh, seventy point three, the Disney seventy point three. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I definitely hurt it there. And then after that, I had to take quite a bit of time off and. Uh, managed to sort of come back for uh, the Timberman 70.3, which was about a month ago, and uh, on very sort of average running for myself, I surprised myself with a relatively open, and uh, then of course I raced in uh, Cancun uh, two weekends ago, so that didn't go too well, I kind of struggled a little bit on the run, (coughs) actually my run was my poorest discipline of the day, so kind of ironic really. Yeah. One of the questions I sort of have for you is, we're going to go into this season a bit later on, but I was really, I'm really interested in your past, and um, because I, I probably started triathlon at a fairly similar time to you, and um, back in the days of Hamish Carter and all those guys, and and right about the time when you started winning your first world titles, you know, around about '92, uh, things were starting to change in triathlon, and, and right in the middle of your um, sort of Olympic distance career in '95, obviously the drafting came in. I mean, when that happened, yeah. how, how did you sort of feel about that? Were you happy about it, or were you, were you, did you prefer the non-drafting format? You know, to be honest, back then, um, it really didn't change too much, because the top guys were still dominating, and it actually made... You know, quite honestly, it made Olympic distance racing pretty easy, or it seemed a lot easier for a lot of us guys who came from sort of the non-drafting and all the all the issues over. You know, every single race you went to, it was well, this guy was drafting, that was guy was drafting. I remember doing the European Championships in uh, I think it was 1992, where they disqualified 40 guys for drafting. You know, and this was obviously a non-drafting race. You know, it always was an issue. Um, and, of course, you had the physical effort of obviously having to take yourself through the whole race, hypothetically, without, you know, any, you know, aid to drafting, et cetera, et cetera. So when we did move up to to the drafting format, and, in fact, the very first race I did was the Goodwill Games um, yeah. in St. Petersburg, Russia, which that was the first time that the ITU sort of adopt, adopted the, the whole drafting, you know, cause and uh, you know like I said it really didn't seem to bother us too much because it was always still the same guys Brad myself Hamish 
you know, we would still come out in front hmm. and we would form a little group and then it basically became a sort of micro race amongst ourselves. And of course, back then, you know, I would say that the top guys were still pretty consistent in all three disciplines. And over the years, of course, you know, now you're looking 10, 11, 12 years down the line and it's changed completely. You know, hmm. the, 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 the emphasis of, of each of those three disciplines has changed, you know, dramatically. And, it, you know, for me, quite honestly, right now, you know, initially we could get away with it and it seemed, you know, it seemed a lot of fun. I mean, of course, it was really hard racing. Um, I remember the world champs in Cancun in 1995. I mean, it was still, you know, an absolutely killer of a run. Um, um, but, you know, you know, right now, the thing that I, I just don't feel that it represents the sport that I started in 1985, the sport of triathlon. And for me, a triathlete, you know, a pure triathlete who is somebody who can put the combination of swim, bike, run together. And the first person across the line who can, you know, put that combination together the best is the winner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for me, you know, I mean, a great example is we saw the, the IT World Champs a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, so you had a certain individual win. And then the following week or two weeks later, he races in China and finishes in the 20s, you know. And for yeah. me, that's just not, not what it's about. And, yeah. you know, as far as I'm concerned, there, there isn't another sport where the top, where you basically don't have a domination. Um, you know, you look at tennis, you look at, you know, to a certain extent, you can argue, argue with Ironman racing. It's always consistently the top guys, you know, the, the fastest guys who are going to win. And... Yeah. I would just, I actually, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I'd hate to do a race where, where really, it, it's, as a race favorite, you're at a huge, huge, huge disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of learned my lesson at the 2000 Olympics, you know, and I, I really was, from that point on, kind of turned off by the fact that, you know, I felt that as a race favorite or somebody who had a chance to win, you were always going to be disadvantaged. Yeah. Uh, in, 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 in that format, in that IT style format of racing. So after the uh, Sydney Games, did you actually hold hope in staying in the sport until Athens? Like, was that the goal, or we did, you had you lost hope? You know, I, I, I definitely had decided... It, it was fairly... Uh, it actually eventually became a fairly easy decision for me because I had moved to America uh, after the Commonwealth Games in 2002, and of course, you know, here in America, the emphasis is purely on Ironman. There is absolutely no interest in, in ITU style racing. And I had a number of uh, sponsorship opportunities, but primarily all of them said, look, we will sponsor you if you do half Ironman and Ironman. We have absolutely no interest in backing you if you're going to go the ITU course. Wow. So, you know, for somebody who's obviously reliant on making a living out of the sport, it, it became a very, very, very easy decision. The back of me, I obviously had a disappointing Olympic Games, and not not really purely from my results. I never really got to experience the whole sort of Olympic type atmosphere. You know, if you remember in in Sydney, we were the very first mm. event, mm. and um, we were kind of in and out there. It was sort of a whirlwind tour, so we never really got to experience that whole Olympic at atmosphere, which you know, coming from any sport. As a young kid, you dream about going to the Olympics. It's the biggest mm. thing, you know, especially I grew up as a swimmer and a runner. So, uh, you know, you, of course, always had aspirations of, hey, maybe one day I can make it to the Olympics. But so, so I kind of had at the back of my mind felt that, well, I'd like to go to Athens. But really, for, you know, for me, Athens was going to be for myself. 
whereas I felt in Sydney I wasn't necessarily doing it for myself. Mm. You know, you had obviously sponsorship commitments, you had country expectations yeah. behind you, <clears throat> and it really ultimately was not something that I felt, you know, that that I was, you know, experiencing for myself. So, you know, you know, the whole process really we had. Um, um, a performance director who, quite honestly, I was not getting on very well with. Uh, uh, and I know, you know, it's kind of funny because I know that in a lot of countries it's become an issue, but uh, basically the issue between athlete and national federation. And uh, the bottom line is they, I would say that uh, the performance program made it absolutely impossible for me to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had commitments here in America mm -hmm. Um, and they wanted me to go off and do things which were basically not possible because I had, you know, races to do over here, etc., etc. And, um, you know, I'd always been fairly outspoken about what I thought and what I was going to do and what I was not going to do. And for someone who sort of grew into the sport on my own, suddenly having somebody from an outside perspective telling me, hey, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, of course, I was a little bit resilient about that. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I think on their behalf, they were fairly content that I kind of just walked away from it, and it made their life a lot easier. Uh, when I say there, I mean the performance program. And bottom line, it was like you either conform to what we want you to do, otherwise, forget it. You're on your own. You can get lost. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I, I got lost over here in America. <laughs> Doing well for it. How, how did you sort of? Obviously, Hamish Carter was one of the guys you raced a lot. Um, in, the, in the early years, and, and he very much came from the old school. I mean, how did you sort of feel when he won Athens? Did you did you think it was a vindication for, for the old school races? Without a doubt. I mean, I, I was definitely happy that Hamish did it. And, you know, again, for me, it was just proof that, uh, uh, you know, our era, you know, because you constantly hear, oh, well, the old era never raced as fast, etc., etc., etc. And, you know, the fact that you do, you do or you did have people like Hamish obviously dominating the latter half of their career was, you know, great, gave me great satisfaction because, you know, basically, you know, the old guys are tough old bastards. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I'd rather see Hamish win than quite a few other guys, to be honest with you. Mm. So, you know, I think ultimately he deserved to win as well, you know. Yeah. And he is an athlete. He's an all right, you know, he was an all-round athlete. I say was because obviously he's retired now, but... Mm. You know, even if he was still racing today, he's an all-round athlete, strong in all three disciplines. And, yeah. you know, I remember Hamish back in the day when he was an awesome cyclist. Yeah. And uh, a lot of us, it was an issue to try and stay on Hamish's, you know, wheel. Not not necessarily right behind his wheel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, um, <laughs> Ten meters apart, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, it did, you, know, it, you know, Hamish was a great swimmer and a, and a great runner, so... Definitely, deservedly so. I mean, deservedly so. He won, and I was happy for him. Yeah. Hey, um, so would you like to see another triathlon event at the Olympics, like an Ironman distance or a time trial Olympic-sized distance? Yeah, for me, and and like I say, you know, this is always going to be a controversial subject, and I think a lot of the people who've been involved in, and I've been involved in the sport now for 22 years, and for a lot of us who've been in the sport for a long time, you know, for us, as I said earlier. The sport represents combining the three sports together, and whoever can put that combination together the fastest wins. Okay, okay. so I definitely feel that um, even if they wanted to keep the draft legal type format, I think it would be great if they added another event, for example, a time trial. Yep. 
uh, you know, two minutes apart, a minute apart, two minutes apart, etc., etc., and let's see who can do it. And I'm sure, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you'd have a completely different type of athlete winning. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I, and I think, it, you know, it, it would be fairly, it would be exciting. It would be exciting to watch. It doesn't necessarily have to be over a long distance, and I know that, you know, for a lot of, uh, a lot of Olympic programs, an Ironman would be, you know, extremely tough to put on and obviously mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know you can imagine the logistics behind it as well yeah um, but so that that might be an issue but without a doubt I do think that you could have um, you know I'd like to see more more sort of indiv- the individual aspect to it you know so a time trial would be perfect yeah mm-hmm. so on to sort of um Obviously, a lot of our listeners are very much uh, iron junkies, and uh, part of the reason why we sort of got uh, thought I'll try and get Simon Simon listening on the show is because last week we were, we were looking through the start list for Kona, and we saw your name down there, and, and I'd sort of heard a lot of rumours that you weren't going back to Kona, and you were just going to focus on half Ironmans and so on. So, what's your sort of version of events, and, and how are you turning up at Kona this year? <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, I will be at Kona, but I won't be racing, that's for sure. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but I had fairly major back surgery in December. Right. Um, I really struggled the whole of last year. I was diagnosed with two herniated discs and severe spinal stenosis, and I was in a situation where I could hardly bend down, let alone, you know, I ended up having about six spinal epidurals to get me through the season last year. Crikey. And uh, the doctor, the neurosurgeon who operated on me said, I can't believe you even race, let alone, you know, race throughout the whole season. So, you know, that, that became an issue, and it started um, February, really started having problems in February 2006. And, uh, you know, I kind of struggled through it. And by December, there was only one solution, and that was surgery. So... Um, they ended up going in there at two levels and removing the two herniated discs on the one side and then the other side basically chiseling away the vertebra, creating um, uh, creating more space for my spinal cord, which was being impinged and pinched from both sides. Oh. And so basically my right leg completely shut down. And, you know, at that stage, beginning of this year, you know, I was really concerned about my future. I have two young girls. And, you know, I'm thinking... You know, you tell me, doctor, is this going to be, you know, to the detriment of, of, of not my career necessarily, but what I'm going to be doing 10 years down the line? So, you know, he said, look, quite honestly, um, if you could stay away from Ironman right now, that would be the best solution. And he said, you don't necessarily have to give up the sport because what's there is there and, it's, you know, it's not, it's taken, you know, 25 years to get that way. So, um, I pretty much made a conscious decision um, early on in the year that I would just stick to 70.3 this year. Now, I qualified for Hawaii through Clearwater last mm. year. Top three, first, second, and third got, got Hawaii qualifying spots. And Craig and I basically both said, yeah, we're not sure if we'll do it next year, but hey, let's enter anyway. So that's how uh, I got okay. my spot. And, and so, um, you carry on. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, you carry on. So just in terms of Kona for you, where does that sort of sit you know, further down the track? Is it a burning aspiration you've got, or if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't? Um, you know, I'm in a very, very different phase, uh, or a very, very different... I, I regard myself in, as being in a very, very different situation to a lot of the guys out there. You know, I feel like um, I've done pretty much 
everything I've wanted to do in this sport. And I'm pretty content with the with the results that I've had and and I'm obviously, you know, I feel that I've worked hard for those results and I've been fortunate enough to achieve what I've done. So right now for me, everything that I do now is just basically a cherry on the top. Mm, yeah, and nice. so, you know, you ask about, you know, the burning desire. Um, right now it's not you know, a die or thing for me, quite honestly. No, and I'll be the first to, you know, to say that. And I think for a lot of the guys out there who are doing Ironman, it, it is. And mm. you need to have the desire to get out there. And obviously, I mean, you guys, I think you've both raced there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hell. It's, you know, it's a hell. And uh, it's a tough race. And I, and I said to my wife, um, you know, it's certainly not a race that you go there saying, well, I'll just see how it goes and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, if you're not ready for it, if you're not ready for it physically, if you're not ready for it mentally, and most likely more mentally than anything, yeah, you you're going to get your ass kicked, quite honestly. Yeah. And um, you know, I've had that. Re- I mean, I've I've realized that right from the start. I went and watched Hawaii back in the mid '90s, and I said, "Oh, I'll, I remember saying to McKeeley Jones, oh, 'Oh, I'll never do an Ironman. This is crazy. I'll never do an Ironman, and I'll certainly never do an Ironman here in Hawaii.'" <laughs> you know, we kind of both agreed with each other back then, and of course, you know. Now I know, never say never, but um, I would love to, to do Hawaii, and I, I would love to do it when I feel like I'm fit and healthy to do it. Uh, and I certainly don't think that uh, uh, you need to approach a race like that when you're not fit and healthy, and it just makes the whole experience miserable, quite honestly. And so, you know, I mean, I, again, I, I stepped into the whole Ironman thing fairly late in, in my career, and... You know, I made the conscious decision. Obviously, for me, during the 90s, it was all about short distance. And we had a lot of other things going on. We had the Frontine Tour. I don't know if you guys are aware of yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Um, we had the um, the ITGP Tour run by the yeah. Bray Brothers in Australia. Yeah. So there were, there were all those monetary and incentives from a pro perspective. But there were also very, very exciting races. And so there was a lot happening during the 90s, and the sport was just, you know, evolving from one year to the next with, with, with a lot of different formats of racing, and, and you know, I've, I've done all sorts of different crazy stuff. And, um, you know, it's been fun, so I don't resent the fact that, you know, I didn't step into Ironman any sooner. Um, the, the problem is, it's, it is, to a certain extent, a, a learning, a huge learning curve. And I don't think you can just step into it, even if you do have the talent, because you can't do an Ironman on talent alone. You know, there's all the other aspects from nutrition and, uh, uh, you know, hydration, all those aspects, which, of course, in short distance racing, you never have to be too, to worry about, really, you know? Yeah. You know? I used to race, and I never, even, I never ate anything a couple of hours before the race. I never drank anything during the race. It was on pure effort and, and you know, physical ability alone. And, of course, you enter into a completely different realm uh, when you when you you know when you start doing Ironman, so you know for me, um, you know of course Lake Placid in 2004 was a great race. I felt great all the way through. 2005, I was having nutritional issues and I couldn't really pinpoint what was going on. And then, uh, quite honestly, uh, I also now in retrospect realize that a lot of the I think not only nutritional issues but also I was always I had chronic back pain in 2000 and uh, in six when I competed and I was throwing up as well in at about eight mile 80 on the return uh, uh, on the bike in Hawaii. 
But I think a lot of my, my back issues were kind of in disguise creeping up on me back then. So yeah. it's never one thing. That's the thing. You know, people, yeah. it, you know, you can never say, well, it's because I had this or it's because I didn't have this. You know, with, a, with, the, with the complexities of Iron Man, it's always going to be a huge combination of factors. And, um, you know, so it's, it definitely hasn't been easy and it's been frustrating, quite honestly. Um, yeah. You know, frustrating because I, I had a great race first time out and then yeah. kind of struggled after that, you know? Can I, can I ask something? Um, you, know, you, you, you know, you've achieved so much in the sport. You know, you're saying you're kind of at Suturia on top stage now. Is it hard to maintain your motivation? Like, how do you still maintain your motivation at this stage in your career? It is. You know, it is. It is, and especially nowadays. Uh, you know, I mean, great Cancun was was a great example. You know, you're on the start line, and there's you know there's guys who's who are 12 years younger than you. <laughs> they all want to kick. You know, they all want to kick your butt. And um, you know, I think um, I've kind of gone full circle, and and I've said this to a number of different people. You know, I started out in the sport and everything was great, new and exciting, and you'd achieve a goal, and everybody was really enthusiastic and su supportive and yep. and happy for you. And then, you know, you go into a stage where, you know, you start dominating uh, races, and, you know, people actually resent that, and they're like, mm -hmm. well, it's, let's hope he gets his, his butt kicked this time around. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's funny, isn't it? Not only that, but, you know, as I say, you lose you lose your reason for doing it and, and ultimately you find you're doing it not for yourself but you're doing it for everybody else around you and I'm kind of now in that full circle where I've really got to a stage where I'm like you know what I am doing this for myself and I want to get the satisfaction and I want to go and do races that I want to do that I enjoy you know from a training perspective a lot of it is I, or I've always had a tendency to train hard yeah we've heard that um, <laughs> You know, I, 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 it's just like brushing my teeth. I go out there and I'll, and I actually get, you know, we, we have a little group here and, uh, you know, we go out there and we try and punish each, punish each other <clears throat> every day. And, uh, you, you know, that, that, that's become an auto, an autom <clears throat> an automatic response, really. So it's not something, I'm not concerned that, hey, I'm not putting in the effort. I'm certainly putting in the effort. And, uh, in a way, I kind of thrive on that. And, you know, the funny thing is, Dave's got, uh, does quite a bit of training with me and, and although he's 53 he's just the same as me and that's why we get on as friends we get on really well because we kind of have that same mindset yep. and uh, we're always playing games you know and Dave likes to get out there and come and you know, see if he can punish the young guys and <laughs> obviously my objective is to try and lap Dave as many times as I can in the pool and it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, is, it is very entertaining but um you know, there are times where it, it is hard, and you say, well, what am I doing this for? I'm so sick and tired of doing swim, bike, and run for 22 years now. Mm. I want to do something different. And it, it, and especially as, you know, I, without a doubt, the, the young guys are more motivated, and um, they are still out to prove themselves, and they out to prove a point. And mm. I think a lot of the athletes in, in my situation, you know, our, our mindset's a little different. Um, you know, like I say, triathlon's been great. It's fun, and it's and and of course it's had it's had its ups and downs. But I'm also a father now of two young girls, and I'm a husband, and I yeah. have a lot of other things going on in my life. Which, which, you know, the realization that for me, you know, triathlon is not everything. And of course, 
it's still funny when you walk around the country like America and you talk to somebody on the plane next to you and you mention triathlon <laughs> and they still really don't know what you're talking about, you know. Mm. It doesn't happen down here in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, again, it brings the realization that we are, you know, the reality is we are still a fairly small sport, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, I'm not, you know, it's evolving, it's growing, and that's absolutely fantastic for everybody. Um, but uh, it, it is, it's also a reality check, I think. And um, um, Kind of humbling, isn't it? What was that? Kind of humbling, you know? Brings yeah, you back down to earth. Well, and of course, yeah. you know, yeah, humbling without a doubt. And I think, uh, of course, living in in uh, in the Boulder envi- environment, which is obviously a complete and utter endurance mecca and sports mecca. I mean, you have obviously Olympic cyclists. You know, I'm living literally uh, a half a mile down the road from where all the Kenyans are based. <laughs> uh, you know, and these you're talking about guys who are doing two or four, two or five. Wow. Hours, uh, yeah. You know, you're completely surrounded by, um, you know, every every sort of sort of uh, champion you can think of, and so that is very much humbling as well. You know, you can't walk around a place like this with any sort of attitude because you're soon going to be put into place. <laughs> True. <laughs> so when when you're going out there and you're smashing Dave Scott and you're smashing in a young pretender, I must butt in here. I was talking to a few of the boys who are in Colorado, and they're saying when you go same train with Simon, it's Game on from the start. No mucking around. <laughs> so, are you out there using heart rate monitors very much and power meters and all those sorts of tools, or is it really based on feeling these days? Uh, with me, without a doubt, it's been it's based on feeling and also you know also experience. Without a doubt, I, I know how I'm feeling. I don't need a heart rate monitor to tell me when I'm at threshold. Um, yeah. uh, and you know, yes, yesterday we did 120 kilometers. We averaged. We actually climbed for. Uh, 40 minutes and we averaged 39k an hour uh, and you know a friend of mine has a power power meter he's like oh are we pushing 520 watts right now I'm like yeah whatever you know I think I think people I think people get wrapped up and I think it's it, it is becoming a huge mistake people are are not learning to to assess themselves and are relying too much on heart rate monitors too much on on power meters and I do I do think that if you're on your own and you're you're an individual, that, whether you're a pro age group or whatever, who doesn't have a training environment where they can join other people, it does become definitely a training aid. But I, what I also find here, you have a lot of sort of uh, wannabe pros, and they're locked in on the whole numbers thing. And so much so that even when you go out on a group ride, they're quite happy to get dropped because they want to keep their heart rate at a certain level or their coaches told them that they're not allowed to, you know, uh, exceed so many watts. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. What about your that warrior spurs? What about getting in there? And it, you know, there's something about pushing yourself. And pushing yourself in a group is obviously a huge, huge benefit. Um, you know, I mean, we all have egos. We don't like to get. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, I, and I, I think so. My whole point to this is that really, I think that you never really. If you're too reliant on numbers, you never really learn to assess yourself. And of course, if you can't do that in training, how on earth are you going to do that in racing? Mm. Uh, I think yeah, uh, they've just got to be used in moderation, haven't they? And, and tools to understand your doubt. perceived effort. And um, and I think that's where it helps the, the new guys as they don't know their correct perceived effort. And once they've got it locked in, yeah. yeah. I mean, I also feel I also feel that. Um, you know, a lot of the young, the young guys, and I even saw this, um, you know, five, six, seven years ago, 
the 18, 19 year olds coming to the sport, they have a coach telling them what to, what to do three times a day, when to wipe their butt. <laughs> uh, so they, they really are, they, you know, they're told what intensity to go, you know, how, literally every single second of their training, and not only training, but also outside of that, is dictated by somebody else. So they never learn uh, really how to, they never really learn about their own development and their own selves and what they are capable and what they're not capable of. Mm. So, you know, from a younger level, that that's also, um, uh, you know, I think a, a concern to a certain extent. Um, I remember when, you know, Brad and I used to go, hell, I was sleeping in my bike bag, camping, doing whatever <laughs> I could to make it. Now, I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's not, I did it because I had to do it. Of course, if I, if I, uh, if I could have been given the opportunity to have it a little bit easier, that would have been great. But on the other side of it, I did learn a lot about myself, not only as an athlete, but as an, as an individual as well. Yeah. And I think it doesn't matter whether you speak to Greg Welsh, whether you speak to Brad, or any of the old school, we all come through that. And, you know, times have changed without a doubt. So what are you, what are you going to do in a typical training week for you? Yeah? Talk us through your week. Um, I generally, I've never been a huge volume guy. It's been always more about intensity than volume. And... You know, as, as much as I said I've been injured the last, you know, year and a half, too, you know, prior to that, I've, I've never, never, never been injury prone at all. So um, I think that sort of speaks volumes about, you know, going out and doing crazy mileage. I do feel um, that a lot of people are, and specifically Ironman guys, are obsessed with volume. <laughs> and, um, you know, even when I trained for Lake Placid, I, I really did not that much uh, mega miles. Mm. Um, you know, right now for the 70.3, I'm probably swimming. I generally try and swim, bike, run uh, mo at least five times a week in each of those three disciplines. Mm -hmm. So five swims, five bikes, five runs. Um, one of the runs will be an interval workout. Um, I'm trying to stay away from the track because I'm kind of burnt out on the track now. Yeah. You know, all the way through the 90s, I go and hammer myself on the track, and now I kind of just feel nauseous when I see a track. <laughs> uh, I feel like throwing up. Like, oh, are you okay? Are you, are you bulimic? It's <laughs> the track. So we, you know, we, we have, um, um, uh, I actually have a, a group going right now, and we've been doing sort of five-click, slash interval workouts um, uh, around the reservoir here in Bolden primarily. Uh, and those generally last for about 30, 30 minutes of intensity. Um, and we, so we do that once a week. We have uh, one very hard group ride, which generally equates to about 56 miles, 90, 90K. And we'll sort of do that in about uh, just... I suppose about 2.05 or so. Mm. Um, that's, that's pretty much a hammer session and um, you know you either come along and you enjoy it. Desiree tried to come the other day. She lasted about half a mile, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sharing the love, eh? She's been doing too many yeah, photo yeah, shoots. <laughs> the guy's ego has got the best of that. So. <laughs> um, uh, so it's you know one hard run, one one hard bike. We try you know my long rides really now are between three three and a half hours, but again at a fairly high intensity. Um, it's not you know it's pretty hard. And then uh, swimming, I generally find some hard three times a week, and the rest are, are, are recovery, are essentially recovery workouts. Nice. Average, average bike ride will be about two hours of bike ride. Uh, average run at this stage will probably be about forty five to fifty minutes. 
Oh, wow. With a long, I do. I do do a long run as well of uh, about an hour twenty to an hour thirty. Wow. Hey, uh, so um, what, what's your idea on, or your thoughts on the drafting in I'm in the distance? Do you think it should be shorter, longer? Where are you at with that? Okay, well, my view, <laughs> especially uh, we love your honesty. I do, what I think they need to do is a uh, twenty-meter gap. <laughs> oh, really? Without a, without a doubt, especially in a race like Hawaii, I mean, it's it's just a, it's just a huge draft fest, and I'll, I'll I'll be the first to admit it because I've been in it, you know. Uh, it's 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 very very unfair, quite honestly, and you know that's why I'm, uh, if somebody can get away on the bike and win like that, all all hats off to them because uh, there's about 25 guys back there, and it uh, is a lot easier when you're stuck in that group right now at that sort of seven to ten meter zone. I feel I really feel that in the future they're going to have to address the issue of um, number of pros. I think there should be 50 pros max. Mm. Um, they should have more draft marshals. I really feel that they should have must probably one draft marshal for four athletes. Yeah. And they need to address um, they need to address the drafting immediately. As I say, there's always going to be that pretty big pack that comes out in about 50 you know 50 minutes or so, 50 51 minutes. And unless uh, you know you pounce on these guys immediately, those packs form. And I do think that 10 meters is not enough in a, in a windy environment like Hawaii. It, it needs to be more than that. And I think they need to make it harsher. Honestly, I do feel that uh, uh, you could almost argue, you know, you out straight away. You call drafting, you out. De- DQ'd. Yep. Uh, consequences will be harsh, but people will take it seriously. You know, mm. they won't be prepared to take the risks that people are that are that you know that the, that the guys are taking right now. So, you know, it's it's a it's a hard it's a hard race to call, and I and I and I just feel that they need to have more numbers, more distance between, and, and less athletes. Quite honestly, it's a funny one because every pr- a lot of guys, you know, there's more and more Ironmans every year, and there's more and more athletes qualifying. Yeah, yeah. And I don't feel that. I don't feel that all the pros qualifying for a while are necessarily. They sh- I don't think they should necessarily be racing in the pro field. Well, bottom line, the perfect example is that Ironman New Zealand this year. The pro slots rolled all the way down. You know, Be- Bevan and I both yeah. had woeful races and yeah. doing you know nine forty and stuff, and we could have easily qualified. So I think yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Every pro that we've um, interviewed on the show on the show has said we don't want any drafting in Hawaii. Make the zone bigger, but nothing seems to be happening. So it uh, seems to be quite frustrating. Well, you know, on the other hand, you also have to be careful because there's also a percentage of pros who say, yeah, yeah, we don't want any drafting, but we kind of like sitting seven meters behind. And so you also have to realize that there is transparency amongst the pros. And, uh, you know, the weaker guys are going to say, yeah, I kind of like uh, I kind of like this rule right now. You know? mm, yeah, um, which makes so, sense, doesn't it? Of course, if you're a strong cyclist and a weak swimmer, of course you're going to be emphatic about, you know, and irate about the drafting that goes on. But it, it forms, and it forms almost immediately at the beginning of the bike, and it has to be addressed straight away. You have to eliminate it. And I still, you know, the last two years that I did it was seven meters from front wheel to back wheel, which really is five meters. Yeah. It's yeah. drafting. It yeah. is drafting. It, it's basically become an IT race. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why, you know, the two years that I did it, Norman won and Saris won, and great for them. And I was very, very happy that they did it like that. Yep. You know, because no one else really ultimately deserved to win. Mm. So uh, 
it, it, it has to be addressed, and I think there comes a time when WTC really have to start um, accepting the fact that there's an issue, and uh, and it's going to become controversial, you know. So, so not just to say that it's not, not already controversial. No, that's definitely not. So obviously going on to WTC, I mean, um, it sounds like you don't feel like they're, they're addressing a lot of the athletes' needs. I mean, do, how do you sort of feel they... Do, do you feel they're doing a good job? Are they dishing out enough prize money? Um, and do you think that Ironman racing is heading in the right direction? Well, I'm going to chuck in 70.3 here as well. And I certainly don't think that uh, there's enough prize money in 70.3. And I think that... Uh, you know, I think that hopefully that's something that they will address in the future. Um, you know, Ironman as well. I mean, really, apart from Hawaii, most of the majority of the other races have very, very poor prize money. And I, you know, both McKee and I, one of the reasons why we never raced Ironman in the 90s was because we were making a good living out of short-distance racing. And I can just say right now that the living we were making then is still way better than anything uh, that's offered out there right now, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you know, people say, oh, the sport's moving forward, and, well, for me, it, it, it actually, in that regard, has not moved forward. It's actually worse. You know, we were worse off than we were 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a short athlete, I can say that. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, again, we've tried, and, and I remember the first time we've tried to create athlete organizations. The problem is, is that there, there really isn't a coherent group of athletes who all agree on the same thing. Mm. People say, people say one thing. Athletes say one thing, but when actually, when it comes down to crunch time, there's always going to be a percentage you want to run off and get an easy race in here, or mm. do this, do that. So that has to be addressed. A lot of the issues right now could be addressed if the athletes were prepared to stand together. Mm. Number one, you know, if you can get a, if you can get a sort of. Uh, union of types and an agreement amongst athletes you know we would have one voice but until then we we don't have a voice you know and we never will have a voice quite honestly mm-hmm. and it's kind of a catch-22 because um you know there's always athletes trying to make a living trying to you know and if they can get five thousand dollars for winning some arbitrary ironman somewhere mm-hmm. they'll go and do it you know yep. Meanwhile, the best thing we should be doing is discussing with the organizers and discuss, discussing with the people responsible, saying, wait a minute, we just don't feel that uh, we're being treated fairly here, you know? Yep. So, uh, you know, so again, I think a lot of it stems to athletes' responsibilities and, uh, you know, especially athletes who are in it for the long term. Do, um, uh, do- pe- people who are committed to making, you know, a career out of it. And yeah. when I say career, they're not just going to go and do one or two Ironmans while they have a teaching job. These are people who are going to be involved for, you know, 10, potentially 15 years, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what do you think about drugs in the sport and triathlon in general? Do you think, uh, A, is there much of it, and B, you know, is it kind of policed that well? Uh, I certainly don't think it's policed very well. When you say triathlons in general... Um, I mean, you're referring to the whole sport? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, both. Probably, probably more to Ironman in perspective, because we, we understand, you know, most of the Olympic programs are getting tested better, but it's, we, we interviewed Bella Comerford a few weeks ago, and uh, and she said she practically never gets tested. Yeah, I mean, I would agree that obviously a lot more can be done, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially as... Uh, 
you know, there are, I mean, a race like Hawaii, obviously, you know, Hawaii, there's potential to make a very good income out of it. So, and what I'm saying is the incentive is there, really. You know, I remember Dave always, Dave always used to say, well, I used to race for a T-shirt. Oh, I race for Hawaii, I want a T-shirt. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I think, you know, back then, um, you know, a lot of the athletes were doing it really primarily for the pure love of the sport. And there wasn't necessarily the, 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 the cheating incentives that, that there are or the carrot that's dangling out there in front that there is today. Um, and I do think that, um, obviously, because of cycling and the influence that has, even on a sport like ours, there is always going to be a percentage of guys who are prepared to play around with it. And we've mm. seen it, you know, we've seen it uh, a number of times with various positive tests over the last three or four years. And I'm not going to mention any names, but you know who those people are. So it's there. Without a doubt, it's there. And I think it's only going to get worse, mm. quite honestly, unless uh, unless we have a sort of coherent uh, you know, protocol of testing. And not only testing at events, but uh, out-of-competition testing. You know, again, I, I'm a guy here, sitting here. I can't... Rem- I can't the last time I had an out-of-season or out-of-competition doping control was when I was living in the UK five years ago. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? So, <laughs> you know, the, the U.S. really aren't interested in me because I'm not a U.S. athlete and, and I don't have a British, uh, uh, ra- I don't have a British uh, license. I'm not a member of the British uh, Triathlon Association, so they're not, they're not interested in me. So here's a guy who I could potentially be taking, you know. <laughs> Some good stuff. Uh, <laughs> What sort of uh, thing? Hey, um, just some, some kind of quick random question. Oh, really? I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some quick random questions. Over the years, who's been your toughest competitors? Who's been my toughest competitor? Yeah, yeah. You know, who, who was the you know the the guy who just you know you always knew game day was on. Um. Well, if you go back quite a few years. Um, the one guy that I always had to look out for uh, in short distance racing was Brad. You know, mm. Brad Bevan was always there. And you knew if Brad was on the start line, it was going to be an extremely hard race. And uh, Brad and I trained together for many years, so we have a, I think we have a mutual respect for each other. But he was as tough as nails, bottom line. And again, I always enjoyed training with Brad because he used to like hurting himself, as you know, and we used to go out there. There would never be any argument. We would just get out there, meet at a certain point at this time, and he would be there, and off you go. Um, I mean, again, another guy who was always going to be pretty tough back then was, was Mike Pig. Um, again, yeah. the guy, you knew if he was at the race, you were going to have a hard time on the bike, and you'd have to play catch-up on the run, bottom line. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, I mean, there is a number of people who have gained my respect, and uh, again, there's a number of people who, <clears throat> I'm an athlete, who've gained my respect, and... and you know, Two. quite honestly, <laughs> I, had, I had the cocky attitude of thinking, yeah, I'm an athlete, yeah, they're slow, they can't do this, they can't do that. And, of course, moving up has given me, um, you know, appreciation for, for what it's really about. And and I get annoyed now, and I've actually had to tell a number of people um, that don't, don't start knocking I'm an athlete because these guys are tough. You know, these guys are tough, and they're extremely talented at what they do. And uh, I constantly now bump into short distance guys, and they, you know, they, you know, they mock. They say, "Oh, well, a guy's done a 255 marathon or a 250 marathon," and they equate it to what they're running their 10k times. And I'm like, "You guys don't even, you know, you can't even imagine yep. until you get out there 
and put yourself through you know put yourself through that let, let alone even a half Ironman you know mm. uh, it, it's a tough event so um, you know it's uh, and I think again it's always easy to do well at one race it's hard to be consistent yeah and that's the key to it is consistency and you know, it's always easy, easy to win one one specific race, but to go and do it time and time again, or to go and do well at a certain certain distance time and time again, that's the challenging part. You know, just a, just and another. Again, oh. when you look. You I mean, the amazing, the amazing thing is, you look at uh, you know what Mark and Dave did. Yeah. Or, or you know, 1989, those guys. You know, no one really still comes close to what they were doing in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of arguments about you know how they did it, etc., etc. But the bottom line is, someone like Dave ran two. What did he run? Two forty. Two forty. Two forty. Two forty two. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He did two thirty nine. So uh, you know, of course, um, I'm not going to go and rattle off names. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, just one more quick random question. John's giving me the the hurry up, but um, with. Well, I interviewed Mecca earlier this year, um, and he was just talking about in his day how he just had so much respect for uh, your mental game, how, you know, the year he won the World Champs, the next year he went along and he thought, you know, I'll show everything, and he just said you had swallowed him up even before you had the race started. The mental side, obviously, uh, Mecca? Chris McCormick. Chris McCormick. No, I think I've heard of him. Where's he from? <laughs> <laughs> so then, you, you know, like, how, how do you go about playing the mental game? Or how important has that been to your career? Yeah, I think a lot of people have asked me, well, do you, you know, have you seen a sports psychologist and what exercises do you practice to, you know, you know to get yourself through, through difficult parts of, of, of racing? I think a lot of it comes down to temperament. And... Um, you know, I'm a. <laughs> I've always been kind of tough. First of all, I've been tough on myself. I, I don't ever remember when I've actually been satisfied with a race. Mm-hmm. And even when I used to win, you know, the short distance world champs, and to a certain extent, even when I I did well at you know very seventy point three races or, or or even you know late classes, I never felt satisfied. So the the point is that I was always going out trying to do better, trying to. Do, to, to do better because I was my own worst crit- critic, you know, and, and even my wife said, hey, you're a bit hard on yourself. Just think about what you've just done, you know? Yeah. And mm. so and only now am I starting to really appreciate um, results that I may have had, you know, eight, you know, nine, ten years ago. Um, um, what was the question again? So just, you know, how, how you approach the mental game, did, you know, how you, you know, obviously you're a presence. And did you try to psych people um, out? Not at all, not at all. I think, um, uh, you know, for me, as I said before, a lot of the time when I'm racing, you, you're very consumed about what you're doing yourself. And I even find this right now through through 70.3 races. I'm not too concerned about everybody around me. I'm more concerned about just focusing my energy on, on myself and assessing where I am. And, uh, you know, of course... Um, I, I, I do get some satisfaction of, of knowing that maybe I'm potentially hurting somebody who's trying to keep up or you know, <laughs> catching somebody up. And, but, but then we all do, you know, and, yeah. and it doesn't matter what level we are. You know, triathlon's a tough sport, and, and it takes a lot of hard asses to do it, quite honestly. And mm. it doesn't matter what level you are, just to do a triathlon, it's not an easy thing. It's not like playing ping pong, you know. It's, mm. it's a very physically demanding sport, and, and it's, 
and I think it takes a certain type of mentality to to get anybody through um, Ironman. I, you know, and, and I remember at a number of Ironman races I've been at, I always feel feel more respectful for the guys who are out there, you know, racing yeah. you know, 15, 16 yeah. hours and thinking they have been out there for 16 hours. I couldn't <laughs> imagine. And and again, uh, my involvement over the last couple of years with various camps, etc. I also have a respect for a lot of the, the professional, when I say professionals, I mean professional age groupers. You know, these are people who have jobs, they have families, and on top of that, they're putting in, you know, endless hours of, of training. And for me, um, I have almost more respect for that than I do um, a, a so-called, you know, professional triathlete who's, you know, lying on the couch uh, when he's not out training. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and that, that really doesn't have those sort of responsibilities. So uh, mm-hmm. it does take uh, an unbelievable willpower when you're working. And, you know, of course, the types of people that, that do our sport are generally, you know, people who are in, you know, fairly su- successful or, or uh, responsible positions. And when you chuck all of that into the, into, into the, into, into the spectrum, it, uh, you know, the willpower has to be unbelievable. Um, you know, for 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 the age group on on a halt to get through it, you know. Yeah, totally. So so obviously yeah, we, we in a way we can rely on, our, on on a bit of talent that gets us through it as well. <laughs> and uh, you think about some of these guys who are not so talented, you know. It's just mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously a big part of your um, career has been, been a long career is, is just making sure you've got good sponsors on board. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about the sponsors you've got at the moment and perhaps any tips you might have for people who are looking to get sponsors? <coughs> I'm not going to give them any tips. <laughs> Keep your cards close to your chest. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I've, um, I've kind of... I really have had two phases, and I have sort of had a European phase of sponsorship, and uh, I benefited from that primarily because uh, we had this huge build-up into into the 2000 Olympics, and so there was a lot of uncertainty where our sport was going, and I think a lot of companies decided to gamble on triathlon and say, you know what, this is going to be the next best thing, and so they were prepared to they were around, you know, really I'm talking from 1995 to 2000, there were a lot of companies who were prepared to put, uh, put money behind the sport um, as individuals. And again, I think, you know, back then from 1990 to 1998, there was a domineering group of athletes. You know, there was a, essentially a group of athletes, no matter where they raced, you knew that they were going to finish first, second, third, fourth or fifth. Yeah. Unlike today, you know, now you go and see half these races out there, and who's going to win? You have no idea who's going to win. Mm. So it's not. So what I'm saying is, the short distance racing is really not creating stars. Yeah. And it's hard to back somebody because, really, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the exposure. Mm. Uh, so that's that, that's a huge issue right now that I feel uh, will remain an issue under the current format of of IT racing. You know, it really does. The sport has not created short-distance stars, uh, really, over the last seven years. Um, so that's one, one side. So, I, again, getting back to it, I think I, I managed to, to, to be in the right place at the right time with regards to the whole 2000 Olympic build-up because people with, you know, people meaning companies were, were very interested in the sport, thinking that, you know, this potentially is going to be the next big sport. 
Of course, I don't feel that the IIT went and exploited the situation the way they should have, but mm. uh, that's the way it was. And then I moved over in 2002, I kind of moved over to the U.S., and now I have really purely U.S.-based sponsors. Um, uh, I have approximately 10 sponsors in total. Uh, I still have Mavic. In fact, it's the one only remaining sponsor that I, I first signed with Mavic in 1990. So it's been 17. <laughs> wow, great. So people want, you know, I, I see a lot of you know, people's comments. Why? Why is he wearing those? I mean, why is he using those wheels? Uh, blah, 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 blah. But uh, I definitely feel that uh, it's been a great company to work with, with, with a great product, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. But really, uh, right now, um, I mean, you could. I mean, I'm not going to go and list all my, my sponsors, but yeah. I've had, uh, you know, huge support from 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 really uh, the same sponsors, uh, all of the same sponsors while I've been in the U.S. Nice. So, uh, and I think that's important. And you say if you ask one, ask for one type of advice is not to flip flop sponsors. And yes. you know, when I in Europe, I had Nike for 10 years, I had Oakley for you know 14 or 15 years. Um, you know what I'm saying is, is that there's a loyalty involved, and unless, uh, and, and of course, it helps to develop relations, you know, within the company. And uh, there are a lot of guys who just from one year to the next are in and out of sponsors. And you, ne- you know, you never really can identify a certain product with a certain athlete because every year they're riding, riding, mm. or using something different. Yeah. Uh, but it, you know, it is tough, and I think ultimately. Sponsorship comes if you have the right personality and the results to back that personality. Yep, totally. And uh, it's unrealistic to think that, hey, I finished twenty fifth and thirtieth in in an Ironman. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna ask for sixty thousand dollars sponsorship. <laughs> if only, eh? You're gonna get the door shut in your face. But you know, this way, <laughs> what was that? Uh, if only, you know. So, so what's um, going to be life after racing for Simon? Um, you're obviously sort of coming to the twilight of your career. We noticed on your website you're doing a little bit of coaching, a few camps here and there. Is that sort of the direction you, you plan to head in? Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, and again, you know, you t- this actually sort of sort of mixes nicely with the with the topic of sponsorship because what i've what I've really going to start from january two thousand and eight is is a co- a big surprise but an online mm. coaching business nice and uh, actually uh, i'm I'm going to be sort of running the u s entity and uh, british uh, British triathlete Richard Allen who uh, was on the British team with me yeah. as a reserve in two thousand is he, he's actually done very well out of a, a coaching business in the u k right now so he's sort of coming under the we're calling it challenge, uh, challenge coaching. Nice. So he will be challengecoaching.co.uk, and I'll be challengecoaching.com. You know, yep. Cool. And we 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 have another friend of ours who's also been a, a very very high level uh, triathlete who's who is a programmer, and we're going to have a fairly unique uh, program put in place. Oh, great. Um, so, so people can sign on and obviously get coached from anywhere in the world, and uh, you know they can visit those sites coming the first of January two thousand and eight. But I'm also going to run three camps next year. One is going to be orientated around the inaugural Ironman China race. Oh, nice. So we're going to put on a camp uh, in, in February using, obviously, the facilities and, and obviously, you know, basically going over the whole Ironman China um, protocol, event, venue, et cetera, et cetera. 
And we have quite a bit of involvement from the local uh, government and support because, and obviously the race director, because they want to um, make sure that everything's going well for their race. So nice. That should be fairly exciting. <clears throat> and really the target market there is Asia. So, you know, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore, all yep. of those sort of communities that, that, that do triathlon. And uh, the first camp, sorry, I meant, not, didn't mention the first camp, all in, in January. Nice. Which is kind of a kickstart, a kickstart to the uh, 2008 season. Get uh, some of that uh, roast turkey and. Lens of Grotti, eh? Lens of Grotti, that's what the listeners call it. Yeah, Lens of yeah. But, um, you know, if you actually look at the location, Lens is a great location because it's really not far for, for Europeans to travel to. Nice. And it's obviously night and day with regards to weather. You know, you talk about UK weather in January. <laughs> Three hours south by aeroplane, and you can be, you're going to be in the 20s, you know, 20 degrees Celsius. So that's, you know, it's a nice environment. And and then the third camp we're going to do is going to be uh, here in Boulder in July. Nice. Uh, next year. And again, all of these camps will be seven-day camps, focusing primarily on training. Good. Uh, I think a lot of camps you go to nowadays. Uh, a lot of these guys, a lot of campers get, a, you know, they get a little bit irritated because they spend too much time talking about this, that, and the next thing, and not enough. Do, not enough time doing, you know, not enough time training. Exactly. So a lot of these, so the camps that we're doing are going to be focused or orientated around specific events, and it's going to be a great opportunity for people to get out there and basically hammer themselves for seven days at, at whatever level they are. But yep. you know, get a, a seven-day period of consistent training. Nice. And we, we will address, we will address, you know, all aspects of the sport. But you know, there there will be a lot of. They'll come out tired. Yeah. Um, and then the other the other branch of what I'm doing is I'm actually linking up with a uh, a very big run group here, and we're creating a um, sort of a resident triathlon group catering towards age groupers. And uh, ironically, a place like Boulder doesn't really have that. So it's going to again give uh, age groupers uh, the chance to join on for an eight week program to Olympic distance or a twelve week program to an Ironman. And we're going to you know. We're going to focus on, on key events throughout the after the season, and, and they'll basically come in and pay for for that for that twelve week program or whatever they want, and nice. we'll do about six sessions a week. Oh well, so, good. Um, so just remind us yeah. of those websites again. Um, well, the coaching the the camps website is uh, challenge uh, camps dot com. Nice. And the coaching site will be challengecoaching.com. Nice. Oh. Challenge-coaching.com. Nice. And again, you know, you... Sorry, yeah? You go ahead. Uh, I, I think this is also, you know, again, coming coming back to my sponsors, this is giving them the opportunity to, to sort of get involved with that. And I think they see the benefit, meaning that it's not just a pro isolating himself in his house and going to races and, and not being accessible. And I think... Yeah. With my involvement with all of these various projects, it just be, basically means that I'm becoming far more accessible to to, to public people that mm. uh, that are you know that are that my sponsors are, are targeting really. Um, We'll put a, um, a link up on the site for all the listeners, yep, yep. Um, just through to Simon's site and those sites, so they can get more information. But 
Man, thank you so much for the amount of time you spent with us. Yeah, it's I mean, been fantastic. Um, for me personally, it's, it's always great to reminisce on um, things like the Iron Tour and all the stuff that I saw you doing early in your career that a lot of people these days don't know a lot about. So um, I really enjoyed that and uh, great to see that you're going to be staying involved in the sport and, and all the very best for the rest of the year. Thanks, yeah. I mean, I will be racing next year, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll be looking out for you, mate. Don't worry. We'll be looking out for you. You, you, make, you make me sound like I've retired already. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch up when you retire. <laughs> you got to come to Boulder so I can, uh, you know. So you can drop us in a K. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be there. Maybe next year. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Simon. Okay, take care, guys. Okay, so sponsors. Right, Hawaiian, uh, Hawaiian <laughs> Hawaii. no, Coffees of Hawaii. Where are my notes, Bevan? Where are your notes? Get Albert, your notes out. Albert, Albert sent me some info, and we've got some pretty unique stuff going on with Coffees of Hawaii. So Go on, then. They're going to be over at the Expo in Kona. Albert's obviously going to be racing and kicking some ass, hopefully getting on yep. the stage again. That's so they're going to have a booth at the Expo. Yep. Get back to that Sorry. bloody page. Sorry. And then this is the cool thing. On Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, from 7 to 9 p.m., um, and the week before the race, they'll be running a promo on the swim course. Oh, cool. A floating espresso bar around about seven, about 700 metres out. It'll be a cost, Coffees of Hawaii sailing canoe that is anchored on the swim course wow. and handing out free iced coffee samples of espresso Molokai style. So you've got to swim to get it. You've got to swim to that's get it. That's sensational. So that's what we like to call a real aid station. That's an aid station. So fuel up with uh, specialty coffee, uh, legal stimulant, and you'll be sprinting back to the shore. That is beautiful. It'd be a shame they can't be out there on race day, but uh, they're going to be out there. I'll just say that again. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, 7 till 9 p.m. They're going to be 700 metres out on the swim course. You look out for the Coffees of Hawaii sailing canoe. And also, while you're over there, go and check them out at the booth and pick yourself up some free coffee. We know they've improved their shipping rates, but when you're over there, you can get it all. And you don't have to pay any shipping at all. Yeah, uh, Gordo's going to be there as well. Gordo's going to be there. At the booth, yeah. At the booth, so you yep. can go check that out. Albert will be there, yep. legend. Yeah, we get a chance to meet the Albertator. Yeah, yep. and uh, yeah, Bring just on. Get, on, get on there. And if, if you're not going over to Kona, um, coffeesofwai.com and for all your coffee needs. Beautiful. Trybuys.com is where we all go to get our gear. And uh, John and I talked about our experience of getting the gear the other week, and uh, I was totally... Totally happy with the product because you know the brands. They've got the yep. top brands and they've got lots of variety of the top brands. The shipping was just unbelievably quick um, and reasonably priced and just great product. Great website. Uh, I just like the way they've just got so much of everything, eh? And it's pretty, it's, it's easy to navigate, you know. You go into the swim section, Bevan's having a look at kickboards at the moment. Yeah, it's look not, at that one. The Axisphere. Look at that. Yeah, there you go. So you just go in there and it's all Streamline. Really nicely divided. Remember, uh, get in there and if you've got feedback for them. Are you very fast with a kickboard? Uh, so we actually did a had a big talk on that up at um a conference here. that I went yeah. to on Saturday. So important part of your swimming makeup is your kick, and most people need to improve their kicking uh, and their flexibility through their ankles. One of the guys at the coaching conference I was at, he did a study of all the guys' um, ankle flexibility, and these are top ITU guys. Yeah. It was really poor when you can compare it to swimmers. So well, it's interesting because when we talked to Hayden, yeah, he always talks about you know, it's such a big emphasis on it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, so I tell you what, if you need to improve your kicking, you need yeah. to go to try buys and buy one of these streamlined. Training board by TYR. The moment you enter the water with the streamlined training board, you'll notice that this isn't an ordinary kickboard. Yeah, oh, there you go. There you go. 
trybuys.com for yep. all your trip. Now, it's an exciting time for those guys as well because coming up soon, they must be launching because I think they're launching around Hawaii, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, so, like officially no longer the soft launch. Mm, so that's uh, very exciting. And, and then... Oh, got some exciting news in terms of an athlete they're going to be sponsoring that we'll be announcing sometime soon. Is that our thing? Are we, are we announcing it? I don't know. Or we're going to. <laughs> we'll <laughs> just put it out early. <laughs> check with it first. <laughs> And lastly, our good old mates at Athlinks. Let's have a look and see how many people have been posting up on the homepage the uh, articles. That's what we talked about last week. Yeah, no, this is really good because one thing, Athlinks is the community oh, not thing. Not your home, that one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I like my home. Um, so Athlinks is really about the community. It's social networking for athletes. And the idea is that if, you have a, if you're on the web, internet somewhere and you're kind of reading some website that you think is really good, um, you can go onto Athlinks and add a story to their front page, and then people who read the website can then say, okay, well, this story is really cool. And so, for example, Norman Stadler answers a few questions, and this one here has a link to some story with Norman Stadler answering a few questions. And there's also one about Gabriel Selassie setting a marathon world mark in Berlin. I think he ran a 2.04. Really? Yeah. Wow, this is insane. There you go. So that article takes you off to Inside Try, and yep. it's got a good interview there with... Uh, Norman Sadler. So yep. that's what we want you guys to do is get onto Athlinks and if you find a cool story, post it up on that homepage. It's very easy. Just go down to later stories, add story. That's and a big records there. week, mate. Pell broke the 100 record. No, oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. 9.74. Oh, that's fast, eh? Mm. What in your day? What could you do at 100? And... I've got no idea. But Were you ever a sprinter? No. 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 I wasn't bad, but I was, near, I was like 11 and a half and 12, something like that. Um, Great, but the, the, the key to this community website is that everyone contributes. And so like, when you're just on a website and you see a story you like, chunk onto Athlinks, chuck it on there, and you'll notice that these stories get read and people really like to, you know. And if you haven't been putting your results up there, it's never too late. You know, I put up a, I, I sent them in a, uh, a race that I did in 2000. As long as you've got the results on the web somewhere, uh, you just need to send, send in uh, the link, go and through the process. Like the next day, eh? they're great, well, aren't they? Give, give them a couple of days. <laughs> well, but you know, they're great. And, uh, and then you can claim your results, and, and that's what I like about the site is it's a place where you can keep all your results in one place. Okay, so my question is, what are our sponsors? Athlinks.com for all your needs. <laughs> Coffees of Hawaii.com. So you can swim and have a coffee? Mm, and trybuys.com because you need your gear. gear. Because we know how much you love the gear. And the one other thing that I wanted to mention. I've got uh, a few things to mention, actually. Well, I've got, I'm going to get in there. Well, you first. go first then. Um, <laughs> you remember we talked about Art of Try a few weeks ago, the Art of Try organic cotton t shirts. Yeah, the great gear. Yep. They're also going to be over in Kona. We'll have some news on where they're going to be, but if you are in Kona, go and check out Art of Try, and uh, and you can check out the gear and try it on for yourself. Um, we're both really pleased with it. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's really great stuff. Um, do we want to mention the camp again? Oh, yep. So the camp... Um, we're looking starting, at running a camp in France. Yep. We're starting to get a bit of, uh, bit of work together on that. It's going to be the 28th of June to around about the 2nd or 3rd of uh, July. July. And it'll be a great camp if you're thinking of doing a road, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, 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 just a great camp in general. Yeah. Come over and meet us. Oh, obviously, but I mean, it's also a really great leading camp yeah. as well. Um, we're going to be at the Pyrenees. It's going to be a mixture of some good quality training and some plenty of technique work. Uh, so if you are interested, just send us uh, an email. We've had uh, reasonable response Yeah, we're really so far. great interest in um, So make sure you get in because you'll miss out our voice. And we're going to we'll have prices and everything sorted out in the next uh, couple of months. But if you're interested let us know so then we can work on, on numbers. Charles Barber sent me through an email asking if we knew that book that Hillary, the Hillary book I was talking of. Um, so I couldn't recall. They wrote a book. There was a TV series a few years ago on Sir Edmund Hillary doing uh, Everest. And yeah. uh, it was a great series. And they released a book at the same time. Now, I couldn't remember it. So we were just wondering if any of you guys knew the name of the book. If you can, you can just email us at Iron Man Talk and we'll get there through a chance. What did you get, Belinda, for her birthday? Actually, we'll save that to the end. We'll save that to the end. Lastly, um, 
Jeff has just sent through an email asking if anyone can get him Hawaii programs. Since he's been doing the sport, he collects the programs every year. And um, he was just wondering if anyone's going to be in Hawaii this year, if they could actually send us through a program. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we can email that and you can sort it out with Jeff. That'd be really great if you yeah. could do that. You could buy some coffees from Coffees of Hawaii, Jeff, and then email Albert. So I've just bought some coffee. Oh, could you send me a program? You know what? Um, he might do that for you. But he's a bit busy this he's week. Bit, he is a bit busy this week. He told us that. So, yeah. um, so what have you been up to, John? Oh, okay. How can you support the show? Go on to Amazon and buy something through Amazon. Through our site, click yeah. on the store, and Done. then into Amazon. And we get a little bit of out there. Um, so what have you been up to? I was, I've actually got the good story about... I said last week Belinda's a present spoiler, a surprise yeah. spoiler. Right, so she knows what you, what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 the present I got Belinda was going to be couriered to home. Oh. Um, and so... I said, Somebody well, said you bought it, courier, hoping you'd meet the courier before she did. No, well, no I, oh. I, I, I flowers. assumed that she wouldn't, no, it was, it was in a package, I assumed yeah. she would be there and she would likely get it and probably figure out that it's a present, but yeah. she wouldn't be able to guess what it was. So, yeah. so that was cool, so I arrived, got it, took the present out, hid it away, she didn't know what it was. And then um, on the courier thing, I said, don't put who it's from. Yep. And she said, oh, I've just got to put a phone number on there in case it gets lost. Yeah. So then I've, I dispose of the rubbish. Did, of she the ring? Package. Did you ring it? I put it in the rubbish. And then when I was out, she took it out of the rubbish <laughs> and rang them up. Oh, that's wrong. That's how bloody stupid she can be. And, and it was, I don't know if you should have called your wife bloody stupid. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was beauty. So it was like a manicure and pedicure and stuff like oh. that. So when she rang up and they said it's Nicola Quinn, blah, blah, blah. Uh. And uh, then she figured roughly what. So it was. her mission in life is to find out what the prison is. Yeah. We've got secret Santas. We're doing secret Santas with our family this year. And she said, "Who have you got? Who have you got?" And I said, "I'm not telling you." And she goes, "I've got. It's not secret anymore." She's going to tell. She's going to ruin Thomas's birthdays. She, uh, she um, Christmas. Time. I had to stand pretty hard when she wanted to find out if we're having a boy or a girl. I said, "We're not finding out." <laughs> she was wavering. Bit of controversy in the Newsom household. Oh. Oh. She wasn't happy with her present. Yeah, it was good. Yep. But the problem is she takes away your glory of giving it to her. Where's the love? You're right, mate. You're I'm right. Good. You're I'm right. surviving. Pat him on the back. <laughs> man hug. Um, and so what else you got on for the week? Anything else? Uh, moving into run, focus my training. Finished Ooh. off nicely with a little bit of biking. Got attacked by magpies like you wouldn't believe. And, yeah, uh, as you do. That's about it. No, this week, nothing particularly exciting. No. Watching a bit of rugby. Yeah. That's about it. What about you? I went to the rugby on Saturday night, went to the Canberra game. That was oh, boring. Be good. <laughs> yeah, it was a waste of money. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealanders don't support sport. Well, oh, I, I supported it, but you went no, there and it was boring. Yeah, no, oh. they don't build a good atmosphere, whereas you watch the rugby. Oh, no, you know what? They did build a good atmosphere. Yeah, yeah they, it's an event nowadays, but it, the game was so boring it was hard to get into. You got hammered. So I was trying to pay the kids to do things. Like I was trying to pay my daughter $20 to stand on the seat, face the crowd and just scream out loud. Oh. But she wouldn't do it. And then... Uh, yeah, so, and then what else? So I've got a friend coming in from Wellington this weekend, so nice. it's very exciting. I'm doing my half marathon training. It's going really well. I'm joining the intensity of uh, Is that a, a, a friend? Well, oh, no, you'll find out next week. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, it's not like that because, we're, you know, we just talk. Right. We just talk. and How's life? I, sh- I shouldn't have asked. I once listened, Slam and I were once listening to this thing and I was saying how guys like to talk, boys like to talk about military and girls like to talk about stars, and so I'll talk about stars this weekend. Right. Tell me, why, why do we have stars, John? Well, whatever. You know, I think we've gone way too long. An hour and a half is going to be. It's going to be a monster show. Longest show ever. We hope you enjoyed it. And we hope you did as well. So here we go. Iron Rusts. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. So. Oh, we didn't piss around too much, I mean...